Hello, everybody. It's time for tips, topics, issues, and positions. And today we're going to uh, talk about cyber attacks. Since it's been in the news over the last seven days, what a week this has been. And it's uh, my pleasure uh, to introduce you once again uh, to uh, Dr. Chip McLeod, who is the uh, chair for the Political Science and History Department here at Dixie State University. And uh, thank you very much for coming once again. You I, bet. I've bet. got, I've got uh, we've got a lot of things to talk about, and the clock's ticking, as they say. So I really appreciate you being here. Uh, cyber attacks. <clears throat> Let me just put it in perspective. Uh, the issue is, uh, is the United States being attacked uh, by Russia and some other countries, but Russia primarily? <clears throat> Uh, last Friday, July the 13th, uh, our uh, Attorney General Rosenstein comes across and said, we have 12 indictments of 12 Russian operatives, military operatives, that have been in, uh, involved with cyber attacks that affected the 2016 election. Um, and they have all sorts of evidence. And so that's announced on Friday. Um, the next day we're, we're doing the NATO talks with president Trump and he's with NATO. And then the following Monday we're in, uh, Helsinki for a meeting with Putin, the president of Russia. And, uh, that's kind of like laying the foundation. So let me go back to the 12 indictments that took place as far as what Rosenstein said and from the department of justice. Uh, indicating that these 12 officials, these military officials, were actually conducting cyber attacks way back in 2016, 2015. Mm -hmm. um, give me your, your comments on this. Well, what, what struck me, first of all, was uh, the, the audacity of, of the U.S. Uh, when it comes to some some reasonable assumption that these people will somehow uh, leave Russia and come here to be prosecuted or whatnot. I, I don't think that's likely. But what another thing that struck me as well was the detail that they had in the indictments. They they had these people's names. They knew what uh, what sections, what little uh, cells, and what have you, and the. The work they do, they were uh, cordoned off into. It was very, very specific, very detailed. It seems to me that one of the big questions that shouldn't be a question at all, it's the president who is causing a few people to <clears throat> perhaps give pause, is whether the Russians are doing this. We all know they are, that uh, the U.S. intelligence community is unanimous in this. Um, it's very dangerous. We are well aware of it. They've been doing it for a while. I don't know how much you want <clears throat> to get into, <clears throat> pardon me, what was going on with our presidential election here in 2016, but they were certainly uh, all over that. They attempted to manipulate it and they tried, but uh, the evidence doesn't seem very compelling that the Russians won the election for Trump. But 
nevertheless, that they were on the case seeking seriously to influence it, that's a matter of fact. And it's thousands and millions right. of—I mean, right. this is not just a onesie-twosie type of thing. This is a concerted effort. This is—and the question is, <clears throat> understanding the way the Russians—that uh, the government works, that Putin is, knows everything that goes on. And he—the question mark is, yeah. did he give approval for cyber-attacking the United States? I, I don't see how there could be much doubt about that. Um, when you start making other kinds of connections that people are still struggling to make between Russia writ large and the Trump organization and, and that sort of thing, um, the Russians are busily interfering in elections in this country, in Europe, and any place where they seek to wield influence. And there are pieces of this puzzle that some people want to talk about and some people seem more willing to believe. The, the evidence is just overwhelming. Um, yes, they are busily in, engaged in trying to manipulate the world's democracies. Absolutely. That is their attack. Yes. Yeah. And, and it's, not just, it's not just elections manipulation. It's, right. It's the culture. It's the society they're attacking. And what they also have just been released, as far as information is concerned, mm-hmm. showing with this evidence that they actually went and tried to polarize the country. So he's the splitting the country. So they're, they're actually giving information and input, trying to skew both sides and trying to divide the country. Well, and, and not to be um, alarmist or foment some bizarre conspiracy or what have you, but in the highly unlikely, yet we never know in, in the highly unlikely event that there could ever be something like a war between Russia and uh, the U.S. or NATO allies or what have you. It's not going to start with ICBMs flying over the North Pole trying to blow us up. It's going to be a cyber attack. I mean, every I think everybody's well aware of that. And we uh, we have excellent resources that uh, I suppose we're going to get to the the part in our conversation where the, the president is still continuing to undermine this uh, by, by he, innuendo. Yeah, he, he's well, n- not so much even by innuendo. He says everybody's heard these things now over the past few days, a million times now, but he says and does the most bizarre things regarding our national security and some of the brightest minds out there still can't figure out what he's up to. Which is unfortunate for everybody involved. Well, even his own white house staff. Well, yes, they, they, uh, they need to speak with one voice and it's very difficult uh, when the president, uh, either ignores what his intelligence community tells him or completely contradicts it. Um, He's been using the strangest language when it comes to, okay, I guess I believe the Russians tried to interfere in the election in 2016. And what I hear that intrigues me as much as anything 
is the armchair psychoanalysis that people just can't stay away from. And it's very interesting to me. And it, it looks like because of his wiring, because of who this man is, any suggestion still that the Russians interfered in the election in his mind delegitimizes his presidency. And I think that's, that's part of it. The, the, the idea that, that no, they, they couldn't have interfered. And what people have told him and told him and told him again was that they didn't get you elected, Mr. President, but they tried. Right. <laughs> and and what, when this indictment, when these indictments were made, when they were announced publicly, uh, even each member of the House as well as the uh, Senate, the Congress came across those intelligence committees 100% said there is absolutely 100% no doubt that the Russians were involved in cyber attacking and trying to manipulate the elections. And they 20- haven't stopped. They're hard at work um, for the midterm. Absolutely. And it's coming up. It's coming up. So let's take it to the next logical step. Sure. Here we are. We're on Friday the 13th. The 12 people are identified. Actually, there's 24 listed in there, but 12 actual indictments. So there's... They've got so much evidence and double checking and triple checking and people actually in our in our intelligence group, individuals actually sacrificed, almost sacrificed their lives. They put their lives on the line to get this information. And so uh, it's verified. Now let's go to Monday. Okay, that was July 13th, Friday. So let's go to Monday, July the 16th. Okay. Our president, President Trump, is in Helsinki to meet with Putin. Yes, he was. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> Putin showed up 45 minutes late. Uh, that's that's a uh, indicator. Uh, and then they had a uh, they had a, uh, a uh, an op that gave pictures and photo ops going on. And then that lasted about 20 minutes. And then they went into a private one-on-one meeting for right. two hours. Right. They came out of this meeting, and here they are in this formal setting filled with journalists from all over the world, literally. And they give, first of all, they start off with prepared speeches. Putin began by saying what they had, what they're looking at and things of like that. Then President Trump had an opportunity to read off of his script. And then everything fell apart. What happened from that point on, you had the President Putin making statements and whatever Putin was saying, um, our president kind of like caved in and went along with them. Uh, give us your impression on this, this scenario. Well, the, the meeting, um, if you back up and take a look at what we've been doing since uh, really World War II, um, Russia was a, a very quirky sort of ally and when world war ii was over of course the nature of of the u.s soviet union relationship began to change very very quickly as the war was was winding down and the point i'm trying to make is that that trump even consented to meet with putin after everything the russians have been up to over the past few years, and whatever it is you want to want to talk about, with you know the, the Crimea and on and on and on, yeah, absolutely, uh, the things that people are pretty sure 
that uh, they have a stake in and they have a, a certain way of approaching this, um, that he even, uh, again, agreed to meet with him is, is very unusual. He's got his staffers trying to talk to him about that and that sort of business, and his sales pitch for it is that um, he's going to do something new and unique. Why not talk to the Russians? Uh, we're... Um, at, at worst competitors, if you will. So he goes ahead with this ill-advised meeting. The second thing I would comment on generally is that this scenario where he and the president of Russia enter a room with no one in there except two translators is just an out-and-out no-no. Nobody could talk him out of that. Um, Putin was playing, let's not forget, I mean, let's tell the truth. Putin's a communist. He came up uh, as a high-ranking KGB operative. That's right. He knows how to uh, work people, manipulate them. Of course, he showed up late. It, you can get a little laundry list of all the stuff he's been doing to European um, leaders in, in NATO and the other uh, allies and friends we have. As I recall, didn't didn't he bring a dog to his meeting with Angela Merkel because she's afraid of dogs? Yeah, this, this, little things. These 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 cheap, you know, spooky spy tricks and that kind of stuff. Uh, so nobody knows what what they said. You've no doubt heard congressmen talking about um, using some congressional juice to force that translator to. And and there's another funny story too that that goes with that. Um, that maybe I'll have time to, to mention it because it's part of this. But then, yes, they, they come out, and uh, I, I really can't improve much upon what I've heard uh, people say to characterize Trump's behavior in that news conference. The only thing I didn't – I'm not sure how how Putin got him to dance around like a – I didn't see any strings. He, he, what he said was just outrageous. It, it's uh, as though he sold everybody down the river. This this notion that uh, and and we're gonna we're gonna seriously think about let let's let's work with the Russians and their their cyber force to see well, what are you talking about? Um, and and I think that uh, particularly um, members of NATO had to think very long and hard about who we are now. We, we haven't, everybody keeps saying the same thing because it's, it's vitally important. I mean, we're talking about a, a 70 year partnership since World War II that, uh, everyone knows at the end of the day is the only thing keeping Putin and his boys from some serious attempt to reconstitute the Soviet Union. I, I think that's accurate. Yeah. I, I, uh, he's in control. He's absolutely in control. Anybody that speaks against him, they suddenly disappear or they're arrested or... Well, you you, you probably saw a couple of, of interviews where uh, uh, Mr. Wallace, if you was, he, he asked Putin point blank, how come all your political opponents and competitors wind up dead? And Putin just looked at him. And then you may have seen this and other listeners might have as well. He, he, he handed him the indictments. 
And, and Putin, what I saw, he didn't even touch the paper. He just put it down on the table. No, and, he didn't put it down. He said, you put it on the table. Yeah. Don't, I don't want to touch this right, thing. Right, right. So uh, I, uh, as a relatively well-informed um, private citizen and whatever else I am, um, I, my, my considered opinion was Trump, he he fared very poorly in that. And and the walk back was just he he just can't stop um, being Donald Trump. Well, when he made the statement, when he made the statement where the question was asked from the audience about the intelligence about the twelve indictments, and Mr. President, are you do you back your intelligence, the findings, the evidence? And right. his response was something to the effect that. Uh, yes, I've considered that, but President Putin's really a strong and inform- informational type guy, and he was very convincing. He's very strong. No, no, a, for- a former uh, uh, lifetime KGB operative just told me that, no, we're not meddling in, in your elections or, or launching cyber attacks. And of course, I had no choice but to believe him. Um, that, that was a, a, a poorly staged moment. And uh, once again, I just mentioned uh, that people love conspiracies and what have you, but some of the the brightest folks out there trying to work on this case, I've read some of the things they've come up with. I hear them talking on various shows and what have you, and it may sound like something out of a, a Raymond Chandler novel or I don't know, but um, more and more people seem convinced that they have something on this guy that's being uh, talked about. No, I mean, what, what is it? Well, let's start listing the categories. But what else could possibly explain his fairly bizarre, quasi-imbecilic behavior um, vis-a-vis one of the most dangerous leaders in the world? Absolutely. He's not our friend. That's ridiculous. Yes, and and here's something else. When when he was done, we, then when they were done with this, the 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 response on the part of the world's journalists, as well as uh, our own congressional, both Republican and Democratic, was just totally in shock. Totally in shock. They couldn't believe what they said was that the president took our. All of our agencies, intelligence agencies, and threw them under the bus. That's right, the every, comment I heard over and over and over every, again. Everybody kept talking about that bus and how weak and how weak he made the United States look. And we're not negotiating from strength anymore. We've given in to everything, and this is what Putin loved. Even when they were talking, yeah. Putin uh, beforehand, he was leaning back, and here's Tr- President Trump leaning forward, nervous and can't wait to get started full of energy i guess is what they said right right i think the one thing that gave me a when i was looking at all the various programming uh as they were on air force one flying back from helsinki to washington and uh they turned everything off in air force one there was no response whatsoever there was no response coming out of the white house it was like lockdown but i uh, turned on uh i turned on all the channels but i went to fox and Fox was in shock. Fox was in shock. I mean, the response was immediately following their conclusion in Helsinki. 
they were in shock. So nobody knew how to interpret this. They, uh, they, they were, uh, they just didn't understand. And from what I understand is that during the eight hour flight from Helsinki back to Washington Air Force One, I guess the president was very upset that people didn't think he did a great job. Well, he, he did a terrible job and, uh, his little fixer upper with, uh, changing one word in, in the, uh, one of the most bizarre things he had to say was, uh, just the height of, of what I would call nothingness. I, I don't know that anybody took that seriously at all. Um, and I, I'm firmly convinced that he said, um, with Putin standing to his his left there, he said exactly what he meant. Absolutely. I agree with you. During the press conference and changing one word really had uh, not much impact at all. And you think about his staff. Can you imagine them trying to scramble to put up do well, damage that's, control? That's one of the reasons that the the White House fell um, silent after that. Nobody knew how to counter his just just unprecedented uh, behavior on the world stage. Uh, and the other thing I wanted to comment on that has to do with this, especially the the. Um, relatively unheard of idea of two leaders of of huge nations like russia and the united states gathering with with no transcript no uh nobody else to act as go-betweens or or um to get the record straight and that sort of thing brings me to uh that there's a a new book out by uh, i want to make sure i get her name right her name is beck dory stein and the title of her book is From the Corner of the Oval. I don't know whether anybody tuned in is uh, familiar with this yet, but she's making the rounds on all the shows now. She was uh, a White House stenographer for uh, President Obama's second uh, term, and she made her way into the Trump White House as a White House stenographer. There that's part of what goes on in the white house that nobody thinks much about. It's not particularly, um, sexy or wacky or anything, but these are the people who have the record and what you'll hear a president saying, um, a million times a day when they're doing their work and that sort of thing is let's don't make a mistake. There's no mistake to be, go to the transcript. She quit her job as white house stenographer under Donald Trump because he kicked the stenographers out of almost all of his meetings. Oh, my gosh. And, um, in fact, she tells the story, and I find this fascinating, that the last interview that Trump had with uh, his, his bud Bill O'Reilly, they had a pre-interview interview. No stenographers, nobody keeping records, and what, what she is uh, writing about in the book, and I'm, I'm going to take a look at it. I, I haven't read it yet, but... It's very easy to believe. If there's no record, then um, you can yell fake news all day long and that sort of thing. Um, and it, it may sound crass and, and a little bit like just the ultimate low blow, but I, I can't think of a, a president uh, that we've ever had in this country who was as notorious and as slick 
a liar as Donald Trump. I mean, he changes his story almost like people change their socks. But I just thought that that was really, really funny because she's uh, uh, telling these stories about the fact that, uh, no, he doesn't want those people around to record anything because then he can't say whatever he wants to say. I, that fascinates me, that he's willing to go to those links. Wow. What was? Can we get the title of that book once again? Yeah, yeah the title of the book is From the Corner of the Oval, the Oval being the Oval Office. And right. the the, uh, the young woman who wrote it's name is Beck Dory Stein. That's uh, definitely, I'm going to pick up a copy of that. I just think would be uh, an, an interesting look on the inside. And again, at... Uh, at a job that's so vitally important, and uh, what does posterity have? What went on? I mean, it goes all the way back to uh, people and their tape recorders and all that kind of stuff. But it just, uh, one more time, I just found that absolutely fascinating that that's how Trump operates. He wants to be able to spin everything. Absolutely. Okay, let me let me take, here we go. We're continuing on. It's, this is only one week in our life, so... <laughs> Okay, so the next day he does would or wouldn't. Okay, mid. Right. Okay, and then and then from there, uh, yesterday. Well, uh, yesterday we've got uh, Dan Coats, who's the director of intelligence for the White House, and he's uh, attending a co- a forum, a conference uh, called the Aspen Institute, and it's a security forum. So he's up on stage. And the uh, person that's asking him questions on the stage, and this is filled with journalists, again, from all over the world, are sitting out in the audience. And the uh, moderator looks at him and said, I just got handed this. Uh, President Trump says that he's invited President Putin to Washington this fall. (laughs) And the the things that shocking was that poor, the poor director of intelligence Dan Coates looks at the moderator and said, what did you say? (laughs) And she repeated herself and he said, that should be something special. And the audience just split up laughing. I think it was nervous laughter. They didn't know the poor man. Here's our director of intelligence. And he has never been contacted for any type of a debrief as to what transpired during that closed door two hour session last Monday well, what in I, Helsinki. What I was just uh, saying about this this young woman's new book is, I think, part and parcel of that. He seems to have as his plan, to the extent that he has any plans about anything, um, keeping people vitally important locked out. The you, you remember all the jokes people made with various new staffers coming in over the past few months and whatnot. So they would uh, perhaps have another, at least one adult in the house and that sort of thing. He he continually undermines everybody around him who knows anything. These are professionals. They're veterans. He he doesn't listen to any of them, and there's, there's no sign that he's going to. Wow. And well, he, he keeps pulling the rug out from these uh, under these people, and and of course they're 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 left slack jawed and drooling because they don't know what he's going to do next, and he's he's given away the farm because evidently he thinks he owns it. Uh, ironically, he's invited Putin, and we have the midterm elections coming up this fall, and the, they've been warning us, including Dan Coates and Intelligentsia, said they haven't stopped. It's ongoing, and right. now they think they have a green light. It's going to get worse. Yeah. Yeah, and so uh, scary. 
just uh, really frightening. Um, and uh, I, I'm so happy you came here. Believe it or not, we're out of time. I just got the signal. We're, we're running out of time. But uh, Dr. McLeod, again, thank you for coming and, and uh, giving us your opinions and your positions on things and your interpretations because uh, I know our listener, listeners appreciate it. Well, our, our loose cannon president is just a, a thing to behold, and uh, I can't wait for, for the November elections because this should be interesting if uh, if Putin shows up. It sounds like a big electoral party. Who knows? Uh, uh, and your guess is as good as mine. So that's been, we've covered one week, so I can't wait for next week. Yeah, yeah. who you, knows? You, you, nobody knows. That's the problem. <laughs> that's knows? nobody's. Thanks again for being here. Thank you, Bob. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Tips, Topics, Issues, and Positions. And today's topic, uh, we talked about cyber attacks and the Russian influence and manipulation and President Trump. And uh, thank you very much for being with us. Uh, this is going to air at 3 o'clock uh, on Friday afternoon. Again, re rebroadcast uh, tomorrow, Saturday at 4.30. Also, you can pick us up on YouTube and Facebook as well as on Podbean for our podcast. So uh, until we hear from you and see us and hear from us next week, uh, please have a safe and enjoyable week. And goodbye from Bob Oxley and Dixie State University. Goodbye now.